Another thing I love about Mosaic, I mean, if you go out and look at the, at the trailer out there, it says, um, not perfect, we're okay with that. Because it's really important for people at church to understand that this isn't a place to come and pretend to be holy. This is the place where we come and we can admit our own spiritual poverty. I mean, Christ said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who know that they are spiritually uh, poor. And for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And <clears throat> so any church that expects you to be holy and expects you to always kind of put on a, a, a holy face and pretend that, you know, nothing is wrong with your life, that's not really a very good church to be at. This is not that kind of place. What's the other thing that people struggle with about churches? All they want is your money. Exactly. And so they're always talking about money. They're always having a fun drive for this or for that or whatever. So as we start today, we're in a series talking about money. And my job today is to talk about giving, giving to the church. And I need you to know that it has been, uh, well, it was last decade that I last taught about giving. And I've preached in this room hundreds of times. Um, and Eric, um, the, you know, Mosaic has been going here. He hasn't preached specifically about giving to the church. Uh, so, so you need to know from the outset that this isn't something that gets preached on once a month or twice a month or something like that. They're, they're, um, <clears throat> Mosaic is, is different than that. So Jesus spent a third of his time talking about money. And if we go by, by that in terms of, of priorities and so forth, then there'd be a sermon every three weeks on giving and about the, the evils of money and, and the danger that money becomes to us and our souls. Uh, <clears throat> so if you're sitting here today and you're going, oh man, they're talking about giving, just understand that this is something that's very rarely spoken about here. <clears throat> but we're in week three of a series called Making Change. Um, week one, I'm not going to make you repeat after me or anything or, you know, like the way Eric does, but first week was less is more, um, <clears throat> and we talked about uh, the fact that one hand full with tranquility is better than two hands full with toil and chasing after the wind, that those are things that, you know, if we learn to live with less, we will live a more contented life and a more full life. Last week we talked about stress is bad, and we were talking specifically about financial stress, and we learned that when we are in debt, we become enslaved to the lender, that, that we become um, kind of within our hearts, we, we become slaves as a result of that. And this week we're talking about giving is good. So as we start, I want to look at uh, this verse from Acts, and... Uh, <clears throat> You can read along with me up uh, behind me. Uh, Paul says uh, this, uh, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And we've heard there are other places in Scripture where, you know, where Christ says that. And so giving is something that is... That, that brings more blessing to us, okay? It doesn't say that it's bad to receive, but he says that it's better to give than to receive. 
And so I just want to help my kids because Christmas is coming. I want you guys to, to be blessed. So I've got my shopping... Abby? Nate? No. I'll give it to you later. Okay. So um, I just want them to be able, you know, to give at Christmas time and kind of, you know, experience that, that blessing that comes with, with giving. So, um, and by the way, um, my wife, Andrea, In-N-Out Burger, double extra large, tall, T-shirts, um, ask for that every year. And uh, so... When we give, uh, when we give, it's always going to impact somebody's life. If you've got that in your notes, um, yeah, you should write that down in your notes. When you give, it always impacts somebody's life. Christ said it's better to give than to receive. Um, somewhere in the audience today is Rebecca. Rebecca, where are you? I see that hand. Rebecca is one of my Ukraine buddies. We've been to Ukraine together on a missions trip. And she knows the family that I go and stay with, and I know the family that, that she goes. Um, her dad's a pastor, and, and he's in Ukraine. A pastor that I was paired with, kind of as a partner pastor, his refrigerator was broken. It wouldn't stay shut, and, and they, had to, they had to like kind of use a bungee cord to get it to, shut, to, to stay shut. And even then, there were times where it would just stop working. I would stop working for four hours or for a day, just randomly, and they didn't have the money. This is a family, by the way, it was a family of six that lived on $500 a month. And a new refrigerator costs about 400 bucks. And so I was there and I was like, I want to give you a refrigerator, but I don't have an extra 400 bucks sitting around. So I actually called someone back here in Minnesota and said, Scott, I've got this need here, and can you help? I can give, you know, I can give like 50 bucks towards this. Can you make another couple calls? And, um, and Scott worked the phone for like an hour and a half, and he called me back, and he said, we've got all the money. Just go ahead. He said, I'm going to, um, I'll get a check to your wife or whatever, and then you can pay for it. And we got a refrigerator. And that impacted that family. Because dad was a pastor, and he's out trying to do the work of the Lord. He's trying to reach people who are lost. He's, he's wanting to, to, to advance the kingdom in Ukraine. But he, was, he wasn't being completely held back, but his mind was on that refrigerator. How am I going to be able to get a refrigerator? This is such a big need. It's like an, almost an entire month's pay to get a refrigerator. And the people here in Minnesota couldn't necessarily see the impact, but that giving had a tremendous impact on that pastor and his wife and their kids. Because now that was one huge obstacle that they were facing financially that was just removed and completely taken away from them. Giving will always impact somebody else. I want to look at the next verse up here. Um, you can follow along with me. Um, Paul is writing and he says, you'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which <clears throat> through us will produce thanksgiving to God. When we give, it will impact somebody. 
And Paul here is telling us that when we give, it will impact someone because they will in turn give thanks to God. They will see the work of God. They won't necessarily see you as the giver, but they will see that God has, has provided in a way um, <clears throat> that is meaningful, that is important, and they in, in turn kind of turn their hearts and minds to God and they say, thank you God for doing this. When we give and it impacts somebody, one of the outgrowths of that is that God is seen, that God is acknowledged as the source of what they have received. <clears throat> so we know, just from these couple verses, that giving is good. It's better to give than to receive. It's more blessed to do that. When we give, it impacts somebody. Somebody will ultimately turn to God and say, God, thanks for providing. Thanks for revealing yourself to me through this. So if we know that, then why is it hard for us to give? Or if we do give, why don't we give more? Why do some of us freak out when it comes to giving? Well, I got a couple different ideas behind that. And they'll come up on the slide here and take notes. Um, first thing is we're struggling. We're struggling. Um, maybe in our own faith we're struggling because we don't necessarily believe that God will provide if we have given and we don't have enough to 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 reduce our debt and to meet all of our budgetary needs and so forth. And there becomes a mindset of, of fear. We're struggling with fear because it's a scary prospect. <clears throat> or maybe we really are facing significant financial issues and, <clears throat> and that is a huge struggle for us and the concept of giving is something that just almost sounds ludicrous because we're in such a hole financially. That's one reason why people don't give. A second reason is that we have seen the message about giving and tithing, we've seen that message abused. There are churches, um, <clears throat> there are churches out there that strongly encourage you to give. There are churches that, <clears throat> that abuse the, the whole concept of prosperity and uh, kind of teach that God is a cosmic uh, candy machine, and if we put in enough coins, then there's going to be this, you know, jackpot that comes out. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a cosmic slot machine. And, and if we're faithful and we give enough, then all of us, we're going to be blessed. God has to do it. And, and the, the danger to that is believing that God has to bless us financially if we give. That's not necessarily the case. God will bless us in amazing ways but there is no guarantee that he's going to bless us financially when we give. Okay? Um, <clears throat> we see and we hear about churches that, uh, that really emphasize giving, and they preach about this really often, and then you find out later that the, the pastor there is making a million bucks a year and flying a private jet. And we look at that and we say, wow, that's... <laughs> really? Is that what advancing the kingdom is about? Is that, what, is, is that what the gospel is about? 
And so, so there are people who look at this and say, you know, there are churches that abuse the whole giving mindset and, and, and abuse finances when, it, when they come in. So, third thing that we struggle with sometimes when it comes to giving is that we have a scarcity mindset instead of an abundant mindset. It's kind of like the, the glass half empty and the glass half full. When we realize that we have um, all of these things that we, that we need and all of these things that we have to pay for and we need to re- uh, save for retirement and we need to do this and that and the other, it becomes difficult for us to give because we are looking at things with a scarcity mindset that there is only so much money that I can make and there's only so many things that can be done with that money and if I give some of it away, there is no way that I will be able to do as much with the 90% as I do with the 100%. That's a scarcity mindset. The economy of God is completely different than that though. God is a God of abundance. God is a God who loves to lavish graciously uh, on his children and, and loves to provide in, in ways that we could never even imagine. And if we start to develop a mindset of abundance and we realize how much we have been given and we realize how profoundly we have been blessed, then it becomes much easier for us to talk about giving and to think about giving and to give. <clears throat> So those are reasons why we don't necessarily give. Let's look at Proverbs eleven twenty four through 25. And in this, Solomon writes, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. Now, Proverbs are kind of a poetic, um, uh, it's a form of poetry. Um, It's not, when we look at this, we're not specifically saying, oh, God is actually promising this, Um, but these are general principles for us to understand and general mindsets that we should have when we are living our lives. And And when we want to live our hearts in, align, in alignment with God, then these are things that we want to pay attention to. And that when we give, we won't find ourselves in need, but we will find ourselves all the richer. And some of that, a lot of times, that will become we redefine. When we start to give, we redefine what our needs actually are. And we stop listening to Apple when they say, you need an iPhone 10. And we stop listening to, you know, Sony when you need a 4K, whatever, whatever, whatever TV and entertainment, you know, because you can go crazy with all the things that are available to us. And some of us start to believe that those are things that we actually need when they're not. And so... What this proverb is telling us is that we will, as we start to give, we will find ourselves to be richer than we realized. We will find ourselves. Um, And if we don't give, then we're going to keep 
living with a mindset that, that we're always in want, that we always need. So giving is good. There are these, there are these kind of different roadblocks to giving that, that we develop. We see churches um, uh, abusing this. We see, um, we see scarcity instead of abundance. We are struggling to give, perhaps because we don't have enough faith or whatever. So let's flip the question now and say, instead of just what are the roadblocks, how can we start to grow in generosity? How can we do that? Well, the first thing we need to do is we need to trust God with the tithe. The word tithe in Hebrew is ma'aser, and it's kind of a conjunction of two different words, and the word ma, um, the, the start of that in Hebrew means it's kind of an exclamation. It means, are you serious? You gotta be joking, right? And, and so the word ma'aser means, are you kidding me, one-tenth? That's, that's literally kind of what it means. And, and Hebrew is, is a very punny language. Um, um, there will be times in scripture, and we don't pick, on, we don't pick up on it in the English, but there are times when, when there are words that are used and they're very similar to other words. And to the Hebrew ear, there would be like, oh, <laughs> I saw what you did there, kind of a response, right? And so the name Asher means blessed or happiness. And, <clears throat> and it's very close to Aser, which is a tenth. And so Hebrews, when they would hear ma'aser, they'd also hear ma'asher, which means, this is crazy. I am blessed when I give a tenth. And so there's kind of, there's kind of this pun going on in, in Hebrew that we don't pick up on in English. Um, in the same way, I mean, we hear the word mana when the Israelites were in the desert wandering. They, they, God gave manna, we call it. In Hebrew, it's mana. And literally in Hebrew, that means, what is it? Hey, could I have some of that what is it to eat? I'm really hungry today. And, uh, you know, pass the, pass the what is it, whatchamacallit, give me some. And, and that became the official title of it. And um, <clears throat> when I was growing up, we had, a, we had a dessert in our family that my mom made, and we called it weird stuff. Because it was like marshmallows and chocolate pudding, and it was, and we, we didn't have like a name for it, so it's like, oh, we're having weird stuff tonight, great, and uh, and it was actually really good. I mean, we loved it, but um, but <clears throat> so actually, the word in Hebrew for tithe means it, it, there. I mean, it, it, it's two sides of a coin where it says, "Are you crazy?" Ten percent, and then it's like, "Wow, I'm crazy happy and crazy blessed because I actually did this." and gave 10%. You kind of see that? Both of those thoughts are there within the word for tithe in Hebrew. But let's not just look at the word itself, let's look at some of the passages of scripture that talk about the tithe. So Leviticus 27.30, we read this. Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. 
pretty plain and simple. One-tenth of the fruit that we bear in our lives is holy to the Lord. It's kind of like, okay, I'm going to make 100 bucks today. And, and the mindset that this verse instructs us to have is that, okay, I'm going to make 100 bucks today. No, hold on. Actually, I'm making 90 bucks today. And the first $10 I make, I'm giving to God because it's holy to him. It's to be set aside for him. That's what the tithe is all about. That's the origin of it and, um, <clears throat> and what we are called to do. It is an act of worship to give the tithe. Let's look at Malachi 3.10 as well. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you uh, <clears throat> a blessing until there is no more need. God says, put me to the test on this. One of the things that we need to understand is this is the only place in scripture where God says, test me on this. Go ahead, test me. I, you know, I dare you. I will show you that I am faithful. I will show you that I am good. I will show you that when you give to me and you set aside that which is holy to me and you give it to me, I will be faithful and I will see to it that you are taken care of. It's the only place in scripture that God invites us to test him. Why do you think that is when it comes to money, when it comes to giving? Why is that the one place that God would say, put me to the test? Anyone? Because it freaks us out. I mean, it is scary. I mean, from, from the youngest of age, we see, we see kids who are like, you know, that's mine. It's not your, you know, and you see, you know, break it up, you know. I will take that Tonka truck and I will throw it away if you can't share. Then neither of you have. <laughs> but God knows that it's something that freaks us out to think of taking 10% of what we make and giving it to the church. And by the way, when they talk about bringing it to the storehouse, it's talking about bringing to the church, bringing to the place where you get fed. And if you're like me, you come here on Sunday after Sunday and expecting to be fed and getting fed, hearing the word of God. Our kids in kids' ministries aren't just being babysat, but they are actually learning about God and learning how to have a relationship with him, learning the attributes and characteristics of God. So this place is the storehouse. This is the place where we get fed. So this is the place where we bring our tithe. And God says, trust me, because I know you freak out about it. <clears throat> Here's the thing about tithing that, that I think a lot of times we rarely understand. If you understand this, then you'll see the power 
that there is around tithing. God doesn't need us to tithe. Okay? God does not need us to tithe. We need us to tithe. Because money has such a stranglehold over our thoughts and our lives. Money is so dangerous. I mean, Christ talked about it over and over and over again, about the pitfalls of having money. And it's harder for a rich person to get into the kingdom than it is for a poor person. You know, uh, you know camel in the eye of a needle and so forth. And, um, <clears throat> and because of that, God gives us this gift called tithing, where he invites us every week to stand up and say, as an act of worship and as an act of spiritual warfare, we get to stand up and we get to say, God, here is the first 10% of what I have. Not because you need it, God, but because when I do this, the stranglehold that money has on me and my fears and my concerns and my love of money, all of those things get blown away. And it reorients me with God because I am saying to God, as a matter of faith and trust and worship, I am going to release this. Tithing is actually a gift from God to us because he knows how much we all struggle with finances. He knows how much money can become a temptation. He knows how prideful people become when they have a lot of money. Ooh, look what I did. Look what I made today. We didn't make that. God did. And so... So it's this gift from God where we get to do it every single week. Do you see that? Do you see the power that, that, that's unleashed when we say, okay, I'm going to give? It doesn't make sense in the world's eyes. It's illogical in the world's eyes. But in God's eyes, he's saying, I don't need this, but you need it. And if you do this, it will become a very, very powerful part of your spiritual walk with God. I'm going to tell you another story. Um, <clears throat> I firmly believe that you can learn a lot about God when you watch your own kids. And I've got a daughter who is extremely generous. Um, <clears throat> and, and, I, and she's taught me a lot about God. <laughs> over the years. And <clears throat> so her name's Abby, and there was one Christmas she came up to me. She was probably seven years old, and she said, Dad, I know what I'm getting you for Christmas. And I'm like, oh, cool. And she said, I need some money to get what I'm going to get you for Christmas. And I'm like, okay, how much do you need? And I gave her, you know, however much she needed. And she bought me a big bag of Twizzlers, strawberry Twizzlers, okay? Not red vines. I don't like red vines. Not, you know, black licorice. I kind of like that, but this was, you know, the real deal. Not cherry, strawberry, okay? And <clears throat> she went out and she bought this thing of Twizzlers for me, and she gave it to me. And I sat and I, and 
the thing that just, that just kind of overcame me as I got that gift was it gave me a picture of the fact that everything she has was from me. So the money that she used to buy that was money that I gave to her. And that taught me a lot about God, and it taught me about myself too. Because I realized when I saw that package of Twizzlers that, that realistically everything that I have comes from God. There is nothing that I have, there's nothing that I do, there's nothing that I own that didn't originate with the source of all creation. And so when I give, I'm just relinquishing back some of what is already his. Some of what he has already given to me. And so I'm going to ask the ushers to come right now. And part of, part of what I'm going to do today is we're going to pass out Twizzlers. And they're individually wrapped. And don't eat them. But what I want you to do is I want you to take that home and I want you to put it on your nightstand. I want you to, you know, if you read your Bible every day, put it in your Bible. Uh, put it somewhere where you will see it. Because it is to be a reminder to you that everything you have comes from God. And so when we're giving back, we are just giving back a little bit of what he's already given us. I need that reminder in my life because I have a tendency when I, when I make you know, decent money one year. I'm, I, I run my own law firm, so I got years that are good, I got years that aren't that good. And, you know, I have a really good year. I start to think, wow, look what I did. And it isn't me. I mean, it is the intellect that I have comes from God. The <clears throat> creativity that I have comes from God. The ability to analyze comes from God. The ability to advocate. Whatever I'm doing comes from God. It's not anything that I have done myself. There are some scientists once who uh, declared that they could create life. And so they, uh, um, <clears throat> they came and they struck a deal with God. And they said, God, if, uh, if we can actually create life uh, from dirt like you did, uh, then we get anything we want. And God said, all right, let's, let's do this. And so... <clears throat> So they grabbed some dirt and they started to, and God said, hey, 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 hang on, make your own dirt. <clears throat> Which means that everything in the universe, every building block that any scientist ever uses to, to quote unquote create something is actually provided by God. We don't create, we build that which God has given us. That's what we do. So put that piece of Twizzler somewhere where you can see it and where it can remind you that everything you have comes from God. Everything that you are comes from God. And when we realize that, when we realize just how powerful tithing can be from, from a, a worship standpoint and from a standpoint of realigning our hearts and, and rejecting what the world tells us about what we need, when we understand those things, Tithing becomes a really amazing and powerful thing for us to do. So, we grow in generosity by, <clears throat> by giving our tithes. Simply put, we worship God with our first and our best, and we trust Him to bless the rest.
Second way how we can grow in generosity is we need to plan our generosity. Look with me at Isaiah 32, 8. Uh, Generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. You guys have heard that old saying, right? Uh, If you fail to plan, you... uh, I heard it differently. I thought if you plan to fail, uh, if you fail to plan, then you got to be really good at ad-libbing and blame-shifting. That's, that's kind of my version of it. Um, but, but no, there is truth there. That if, um, if, if we want to tithe, then we need to do the simple things that will be necessary for us to make sure that we do. It means maybe we need to make sure that we put our checkbook into our purse or into our, you know, with our wallet or whatever when we come to church every Sunday. I mean, who carries a checkbook anymore? Anyone? Seriously? Um, <coughs> wow, awesome. <coughs> My wife and I usually look at each other when we have to write a check for something. I was like, do you know where the checkbook is? Any idea? And, <coughs> and so, so finally, I mean, just... Just the discipline of saying, okay, I'm going to bring the checkbook so that I can give. Or scheduling online giving. Some people think, well, that's not really a heart of worship or whatever. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, when, when, we, when we decide that we are going to honor God, that we're going to worship God, that we're going to engage in the spiritual warfare that the tithe is, if we go and schedule automatic withdrawals, that is worship. That is honoring to God. And so the people who say, oh, that's really not, you know, that's really not very worshipful. It's so mechanical. Shut up. (laughs) Sorry, kids, you're not supposed to say shut up. Um, So, you know, it, it might be those things that you need to do. But you need to plan. Because if you don't plan, it's not gonna happen. I can't tell you how many times I've looked on a Sunday morning to find my checkbook, and I can't find it. And so I'm just like, yeah, okay. I'm glad that Mosaic has online giving. I'm really glad for that. So plan your generosity. And here's the third thing that we need to do, is we need to start being generous now. Philemon 1, verse 6. It's actually Philemon, verse 6, because there's no, it's just one chapter. So, but... Um, Paul says this, and I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. I pray that you will put into action now the generosity that comes from your faith. A lot of us will sit and say, I really don't want to start uh, tithing until I've paid off my debt. That just wouldn't make sense financially. Yeah, um, there's, uh, but no, uh, because we're called to trust God now. We're not called to trust God, well, we are called to trust him in the future, but we're called to step out now in faith and say, God, you told me to put you to test on this, and so I am going to tithe even though I have debt, and even though I'm trying to pay off my debt. Or, God, I, you know, once I have my retirement savings taken care of, then I will tithe. 
I don't see anything in scripture that says that those are kind of like exceptions to the whole notion that the tithe is holy and sacred to God. So we need to start being generous now instead of waiting. It's good to give. Last slide I want to show you is, is this. Uh, when you give, you will be a blessing. You are going to impact somebody else's life. And when you give, you will be blessed. I know there's a typo up there. Or at least in the, on here there is. Um, <clears throat> you will be blessed. So it's something where giving is not just like, hey, I'm giving money to the church, cool. But God says this, when you give, it is going to have an impact. There will be a kingdom impact from what you give. And you will be blessed as a result. And that blessing can come in so many different forms. Not just automatically financial. But there are so many different ways that God can use giving to bless us and just to knock our socks off when we decide we're going to do that. By the way, younger people here, if you're in college, tithe. You don't have much income. I get it. You're incurring debt to go to school. I get it. But the younger you start to learn to tithe, the easier it will be when you're, you know, when you got a good job and you're making good coin. And, and so, so start fighting that fight now because it is a struggle to give. Start trusting in God, start allowing God to prove himself faithful by giving now. Start when you're young, it'll be a lot easier. There's a lot of us in this room that are like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm 40, and, or I'm 50, and I'm having a, you know, I'm struggling with tithing. And if you start all the younger, the easier it will be your entire lifetime. Giving is good. Stand and, and we'll pray. Lord, we come to you today and we confess that you are a good God. We proclaim that. We know that. And yet we struggle sometimes believing that when it comes to our finances. You are a faithful God and you are a providing God, but we struggle sometimes when it comes to our finances in believing that. And you have given us this gift called the tithe, and I pray that we will have the guts to step out and to do what society tells us is stupid and to trust our finances to you and to give to you now, to give to you in the future, to do it as an act of worship, to do it as an act of spiritual warfare, to do it because it changes us. We thank you for being a God who makes promises and who keeps them. We thank you for the tithe. In Christ's name, amen.